Welcome to the Calvary Limerick Podcast, the teaching ministry of Pastor David Cowper. We're a church that seeks to live together before the face of God. We hope today's message blesses you. I want to start today by telling a story, kind of two stories, but reading one story I heard because I think it illustrates well what we're going to be looking at today from the book of James. In this story, a father is waiting on a delivery and he's going to need help from his son to get it into the house and set it up. The, the delivery is set to come between four and five and it's coming on to four and the father has to go and pick up one of his other children from some event that they're at. So he needs to leave. But before he does, he tells his son to wait in the house in case the delivery is early and he's not back on time. And then he heads off. The son nods as his father speaks, agrees to stay in the house, but of course once his dad is gone, his friend calls around. And the son says he can't go down to the green, he can't go kick a football around because they're waiting on delivery and it could come while the dad is away. But the other kid reminds him that they live in a place where the green, they could see the delivery guy coming in from the green as they play football. And so he, he agrees to go. And he goes and plays with his friend while watching for the delivery van and his father's return from the green in their estate. In another place, another father, it's the same instructions for his son. The son complains because he's invited a friend to call around and they're going to go play football in the green. What he says he'll do as his father has asked. So the father heads out, the son stays at home, the friend calls to the house and tries to convince the son to come out and play football. But the son insists that he has to stay at home he has to obey his dad. He needs to be at the house because that's where his father asked him to be and that's where he agreed to be. Instead, he invites his friend in while they wait for the delivery and the return of his father. And while they're there, the phone rings. The delivery driver is lost and he needs help finding his way to the house. Had the son gone out on the green with his friend, he'd have missed the phone call and the delivery possibly wouldn't have ever gotten to the house. Today we're going to be looking at a short section, as usual, in the book of James, chapter 1. And it's kind of probably one of the most pivotal sections. It's verses 22 to 25. James is the half-brother of Jesus, as we've said, and he's written this letter to Christians to help them grow into maturity in Christ. So far in James, chapter 1, we've seen what James says to us about trials, about temptations, about being quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to anger. And today he's going to move to another new idea. And I think this is kind of one of the central ideas of the whole chapter. So I'm just going to read it. Starting at 22 down to 25. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But however looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. James's interest is in our maturity as Christians. And here he's talking about obedience and being obedient to God. And obedience is one of those things that changes within us when we're growing as Christians, when the Holy Spirit is at work within us. 
At its core, sin is anything we do or we don't do that is disobedient to God. Sin disrupts our relationship with God. So as we get to God, get to know God more, as we see all the wonderful things that he has done for us and come to understand him and, and what he has done, we will, by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us, desire to obey God because we'll value that relationship that we have with him. There's a famous Bible verse that you'll hear when people are talking about recognizing other people as Christians. And it's found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 16. And it says, by their fruits you'll know them. So just while we're talking about this, I wanna talk about that verse because it's very badly used in the church. It's used to judge and to condemn people because there's something in their lives that needs grace, that God needs to sort out with that person. That person needs to work on with God and sort out in their lives. When Jesus is talking, when Jesus says that, he's talking about false prophets. So when you hear someone coming and speaking in the name of Christ, one of the ways you know that person is genuine is by the fruit of how they live. And of course, the fruit of what the Lord is doing through their ministry. But that verse isn't about condemning people. It's not about putting burdens on other Christians. We're not supposed to use it as a weapon against one another, which we often do. In the previous verse, verse 21, um, James talked about the implanted word, which is a reference to Jesus' parables of the parable of the sowers. So you know it, some seed falls on various different types of ground, and in certain types of ground, which is our hearts, the seed grows and in other, others it doesn't grow as well. So I just wanna go through some of the fruits of the Bible while we're talking about fruit and what it does in our lives. It changes our life. It builds Christian character and conduct. It helps us minister to others. It brings glory to God. It helps win souls to Christ. It helps us to grow in holy living. It helps us to learn that we can share our material possessions and not be greedy. It helps us to do good works and it helps us to praise the Lord. In verse 22, James says, don't deceive yourselves. And what does he mean? I wonder if it was much, as much of a problem in the early church as it is today. But I think there's many people in the world today and possibly a few of them are in this room, I'm sometimes like it, that believe that going to church, hearing the Bible, reading the Bible, listening to it being taught, listening to a podcast maybe, studying it by yourself, those things make you good with God. We think that hearing the word of God is enough to build our relationship with him, which actually is an idea from Greek philosophy from Socrates. He believed that if people hear what is good, they will do what is good. The people that he told what was good to executed him. So it didn't work out. <laughs> so James says we're to be hearers, but not just hearers, we're to be doers. It's not just enough to hear like people in Socrates day did. So when we say to God, hey God, I've ticked my boxes this week, I've read my Bible, I've heard a sermon, I've even done a little bit of Bible study, we're good for the week, right? I don't think he even answers, he just goes, James. <laughs> and James says, no, be doers of the word, not hearers only. 
we are to deceive ourselves into thinking that the point of Christianity is to be able to hear the right things and say the right things. That's actually just useless. I would hazard a guess, and I'm totally guessing, that close to 100% of drug users were told at least once in their lives not to do drugs. They heard it, but they didn't listen. They didn't do what they were warned about. Many people today think that hearing the Bible or hearing a sermon is what makes them grow in Christ and allows them to receive God's blessings. But it's not. One writer said, and I really like this, if, you can if you're going to turn off, you can turn off after this quote. But stay, stay alert for this one. Too many Christians mark their Bibles, but their Bibles never mark them. I'm going to say it again. Too many Christians mark their Bibles, but their Bibles never mark them. Okay. So the next part, would one of the kids like to come up? I'm going to show you something. You're going to have a chance to look at it, or one of the teenagers even. And then I'm going to take it away, and I'm going to ask you a question about what you saw. Would anybody like to do it? If not, I can totally just keep going and I'll show you what it is. <laughs> can you see it? Yeah. Okay. What did you see? Myself. <laughs> you saw yourself. That's right. Great. Thanks, Daddy. It's a mirror. You can sit down. Thanks. <laughs> Wouldn't it be ridiculous? if he just looked in the mirror, saw himself, and I said, what did you just see? And he said, I didn't know. <laughs> we can see that Danny can look in a mirror and remember what he saw. And so James, in this section, he's comparing someone who doesn't do what God tells them to do when they hear it in the Bible, or hear the Bible taught, or read it themselves, as someone who looks in a mirror, and then walks away, but forgets what they just saw. It sounds totally ridiculous, because it is totally ridiculous. That's James's point. So, I think there's three ways that we can compare what the Bible does to what mirrors do. So we're gonna go through them quickly, or as quickly as I can, because I know I'm not very good at this. So the first is examining. The first thing that mirrors do that the Bible also does is allow us to examine ourselves. We read the Bible, we discover who we are, we discover our identity in Christ, who God has saved us and made us to be, and we can also see certain areas in our lives that don't match up with the position that we now have in Christ. Like last time we were talking about being quick to anger was not in keeping with the position and identity that God has given us in Christ. When I was in Bible college, I learned a few things, but one of them was that the way we read the Bible matters, when we say that the Bible allows us to examine ourselves, that's different from saying we glance at ourselves. If you're washing your face or you're doing your makeup or, or whatever and you just glance in the mirror, you could miss the smudge of lipstick, the black mark on your face. For me, it's an out of place curl or whatever it is. You take a longer look in the mirror when you're using it for these purposes. And that's the same with the Bible. We're often impressed when people tell us you know, I've read 75 chapters of the Bible this week. 
and you might think that you should be doing the same thing. So when I got to CCBC, I was trying to read through the Bible as quick as I could. And then when I got to Isaiah, I noticed how pointless that was, because I wasn't learning much from the Bible, reading it at such a fast pace. And Isaiah is a very difficult book to read. Um, many of us would probably get a niggly feeling in our conscience if we didn't read the Bible, let's be honest, most days, probably not every day, but the niggly conscience feeling should come because we're reading the Bible carelessly. We don't allow it to examine us. We know that we ignore the prompting of the Holy Spirit because we've still got eight chapters to read today on this reading plan that we're doing. Someone said, and I like this, perhaps one reason we glance into the word instead of gaze into the word is that we are afraid of what we might see. I think that's so true. So the second way that a Bible, the Bible is like a mirror is in our restoration. I'm gonna explain this one because it's not immediately obvious. In our example earlier, we had someone looking in the mirror and there was a smudge of makeup or a curl out of place. So when we look at the mirror, we can see the faults that we're trying to change our appearance and we can restore it and we can fix it. And so the Bible is like that. We allow it to examine us, to show up places we haven't fully grasped what being in Christ means, whether in our identity or our position with God, or in our actions, how we live out the gospel in our lives. Warren Wearsby said, it is the blood of Christ that cleanses the guilt, but the water of the word helps to wash away the defilement. And so the third of the ways the Bible is like a mirror is it transforms us. For a mirror, that's a very superficial transformation. For example, my mirror helps me to see where there is dark hair on my head to cover it with bleach so that it comes out this stupid yellow color. But sometimes it comes out a nice blonde too, which is what I'm aiming for and never get. It helps transform my hair. And then every day, it helps me go from what's basically an afro to something that's a little bit tamer and a little bit neater. The transformation that the Bible is part of is much deeper, it's more important, a more important transformation than a mirror could ever be part of. And in the same way that a mirror doesn't do the transforming, it isn't the Bible that does the transforming, it's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But like a mirror, we use it to see what needs to be done, so too the Holy Spirit uses the Bible to make us aware of the areas in which we are living in a way that's not in line with who God has created and saved us to be. The Bible is living and active, but it's not God. It's used by God. There's some people who read the Bible and they're not affected by it. They haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to use the Bible to speak into their life. So Christian, let's not be like that. We've been given the very word of God, and more than that, we've been given the grace of God and the spirit of God to empower us to obedience. Being a Christian means being like Christ. He is our ultimate example. He was always obedient to the Father. God wants us to learn from him and then go do what he did and what he says. He doesn't want to leave us in our sin. He doesn't want, us to, he doesn't want to watch us continue damaging our relationships with, with him and with other people. He wants to see us transformed to being more like Jesus, to becoming mature as a Christian which again is James's purpose for writing this letter. So let's read verse 25 again. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, 
but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. We're to look in, intently into God's perfect law, but know what it says next, the law that gives liberty. The law, as in the Old Testament laws recorded in the Bible, they did not bring liberty. They were a burden, they were impossible to keep. They condemned people and they left them far away from God because we as humans, we simply don't have the ability to keep God's law. So what can James mean when he says the law that brings freedom, that gives liberty? The law of God is holy and perfect and right, but it couldn't liberate people. It couldn't give freedom. It almost does the opposite. It almost enslaves people. Paul talks about the law a lot in the book of Galatians and how it's like a curse that Jesus saved us from. He says the law could not empower us to keep it. There's no power in the law. Instead, it acts as a marker to show us how far from God's perfect standard we are. The liberty or the freedom that's talked about here comes when, when that perfect law comes along with the gospel of Christ and the empowering of the Holy Spirit in our lives by the grace of God in order to change our hearts and empower us to be people who not only hear the word of God, but do it. We're to be doers of the word and not hearers only. But we're not to do that in our own strength. Attempting to is not liberty, it's enslavement to the law. And Paul said, if you live by the law, you must keep all of it. You can't even break one dot or you'll be separated from God. So praise God that that's not the way he deals with us, but that he sent Jesus who lived a perfect life and died the death we should have died to allow us to be counted righteous by God, positionally speaking, and that he empowers us by the Holy Spirit to be righteous in our individual situations. As the old song goes, Jesus' love is very wonderful. And his love means that you don't have to be a doer by yourself. You have the Spirit of God empowering you by the grace of God to do as God says. So this week, tonight, whenever it is you come to read your Bible next, Find the things in the passage you're reading, what it says about God, what it says about you and your identity in God, and who God made or saved you to be, and the blessings that he has promised. And then see what the Bible is calling you to do. And remember how it's like a mirror, how it can be involved in examining you, restoring you, and transforming you. Let's pray. Well, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's like a mirror, that it can show up things in our lives that are displeasing to you, Lord, that aren't in keeping with who we are in Christ, God. And I pray that as we read it in our own time, as we listen to sermons, as we listen to podcasts, as we do Bible studies, that you will help us to hear what you're saying and realize that these things aren't a burden, but that you've given us the Holy Spirit to empower us to keep your word, to be obedient to you, Lord. And Lord, may we be people who are not just hearers of the word, we are hearers of the word, Lord. May we be people who are hearers of the word, but not just hearers of the word, but doers also.